a lot of the, the characters in, in APL were chosen because of how they look visually. And an iota... Welcome to ADSP the podcast, episode 18, recorded on March 18th, 2021. My name is Connor, and today with my co-host Bryce, we wrap up part two of our conversation with Sean Parent. Be sure to check out part one before listening to this one. Do, do you think that C++ should have adopted a destructive move model where the object left behind was not in a valid state but was gone? Ideally, yes. Um, uh, I, you know, I think now we have kind of a better idea of how that could have been done at the time when move was being defined. Nobody could come up with a way to make it work. Um, uh, you know, one of the problems with it is it is it changes the uh, uh, the strict ordering of destruction rules that we have in C which is somewhat problematic. Um, how, if anybody's used uh, uh, Objective C++, which you know, mostly on Apple platforms, the, the Objective C language gets used. A lot of people don't know, but if you just stick an, an extra M on the extension for your file, so you have files that are typed .mm instead of just .m, uh, then you get a language called Objective C++, which is basically all of C++ with um, uh, uh, the Objective-C constructs added in. And Objective-C in recent versions uh, has a feature called ARC, which is automatic reference counting. So for a while, Objective-C had a garbage collector, and then Apple kind of backed away from the garbage collector and decided to go with automatic reference counting. Uh, so so Objective-C objects are uh, you can think of the, the, the pointer that you get to them as being very similar to a shared pointer, except the language manages the shared pointer as opposed to you managing it manually. But one of the unique features of ARC objects is, is they have uh, um, uh, more precise lifetime rules than C++ objects would. So if I have a... Uh, uh, an, an arc object, it is uh, destructed at the end of the last sequence point where it is last used. So it is that allows for a destructive move of of, of arc types, um, uh, which saves you additional you know increment decrements on your on your ref counts, and it happens automatically without ever having to put in an explicit move. And so, you know, one of the biggest problems that we have with with C++ is that explicit move is is a is a cast circumventing the type system, and that makes the move operation unsafe. Um, uh, you know, you're ended up you end up with this shell of an object, and you have to take care in how you deal with that that object with a with an unspecified value. Right. Yeah. It's it's it's. It, it, it's... It's an odd quirk of the function called std colon colon move that it does not actually move. It just casts it to a type that then the thing, the whatever it gets passed to could move from it. Could move, right, right, right. And within the language, if you just have an implicit move, 
then the only thing the language is going to do after the move is destruct it. And so that makes the move safe. But when you circumvent the type system and you cast, cast with stood move, um, uh, 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 now you've got, got an unsafe operation. And there's only a few places in the language where, where stood move is required right, um, uh, to get a move. And if you had the rule that, that you could somehow decorate a type and say, you know, this type is, 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 uh, 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 supports a destructive move, um, uh, then you could get rid of those, those cases and you could just say this thing will automatically move on the, you know, on the last use or the compiler is allowed to automatically move it on the, on the last use. And that would make those cases safe because now your object would be out of scope and you couldn't reference it after that. Um, but it would be a significant change to the language. And it was something that I believe was considered in the you know, original design of move, but um, uh, the destructive model, they, they were not able to work it out in the C++11 right. era. Yeah. Yeah, there were a lot of ideas in that time frame. I think post then, I think a number of people have a lot of you know newer ideas and kind of a newer take on it. Um, one of the best proposals I've seen float around is the idea of uh, 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 just having something be trivially movable. And it turns out most types are trivially move movable. And what that means is, it, is if you just mem copied them and then didn't do anything with the hole they left, that would be sufficient. Is that is that Arthur O'Dwyer's paper you're thinking of? I am uh, horrible with names, so probably, I believe it is. Yeah, yeah. So I think it's Arthur O'Dwyer's paper. Yeah. So, so you know, I think if we had a notion of trivi trivially movable, and the notion of allowing the compiler to then say, if my type is trivially movable, then I can can move it on last use. Um, uh, then you get this automatic move on last use, and you don't have to cast. And it's safe because if then if then you add another use at post that point, then that becomes the last use, and and you know you don't get a, a, a any kind of compiler error that says, hey, you used this after it fell out of scope. It did fall out of scope, but now you just extended the scope, and what was a previous move safely became a copy, and and now the last use becomes a move. Um, uh, and so, you know, it's less for the user to type, and it's easier to get correct, and it's less error-prone if, if we could get to that state. So what, uh, what paper, or what mailing are you aiming to, for your paper to be coming out in? Uh, you know, I'm trying to rush through at least getting a, uh, an R0 out because... Um, uh, uh, this came about because in, in, in John Lacos's upcoming book, he's got these sections called annoyances, and he reached out to me and said, you know, I've got, I know you've got this annoyance about move. Uh, could you write a couple pages on the annoyance of move? And so, so we just kind of finished up a, a couple rounds of editing. It was, I just wrote it right, like right after ACCU wrapped up, and. And part of that is is I want to cite a paper um, with a proposal to fix this annoyance. And I had started about a year ago on actual wording for how I would go about fixing this annoyance. And I had a round of conversations at that time with uh, with with Nico, who was at the time what kind of set it all off was he was writing his book on Move, and he had 
on, on our value semantics and he had reached out to me to get some clarifications on some things so we had a conversation about that and that led to to my complaint and we kind of started on some wording and I roped in Howard Hennant and and Herb Sutter and and got some you know additional feedback and so I just kind of had this this bunch of scraps of notes um, uh, for something that could have been a proposal. I was hoping that uh, an, an employee who recently left Adobe was going to, and he had joined the standards committee, was going to kind of pick it up and see it through. Uh, but he recently left, so and then this whole thing with John came up, so now I'm resurrecting it. So I'm going to try to get get a get a quick uh, uh, a number for it and get a paper you know, into whatever the next mailing is that would just basically say, you know, it's going to outline the problem with some potential proposed wording. Um, uh, uh, the whole fact that, you know, over time, the, you know, the, the requirements have been weakened so much in, in the standard makes it a little complicated, but I think that we can we can cover it with just kind of an upfront requirement, which we, th that's how we handle the move semantics already, that basically says, you know, there's a precondition that for all of these functions that they have this notion of a domain of operation. And, and, and we can't reassociate that domain of operation with specific semantics because that would then be, be a breaking change because it would be strengthening the semantics of, of the existing library. Uh, but we can, I think, introduce the notion of the domain of operation and then simplify the wording in a whole bunch of the algorithms where we don't have to say, you know, you know, the, the, the equal equal has to apply in all of these cases because that's just globally covered by this notion of a domain of operation. Um, uh, uh, so so for, for, for a lot of things that would then, then simplify the wording. You know, and then then we get into the the wording of how how we make the exceptions uh, for uh, uh, you know uh, uh, for the post conditions of a move from object, which basically says it gets pulled out of the domain of operation for everything but destruction and assignment two. And then there's a little complication in there, which is uh, 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 if you swap an, an uh, if you if you swap uh, if you do a self swap so you call swap a to a in the middle of swap a to a it's going to do a move from a move from object to itself and the standard indirectly guarantees that swap a a uh, 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 is valid and should be a no op. Um, uh, and so that adds an additional wrinkle, which is how do you specify that you can you can move that you can you know move from an object that's been moved from into itself yeah. <laughs> and get that into the spec. So I've got I've got kind of two options for proposed wordings on that. One one of the proposed wordings gets gets a bit complicated, and to satisfy the other conditions of of move, it it requires you to to introduce a, a, a fixed point um, uh, which the standard hasn't done done anyplace else but it kind of wraps everything up neatly even if it's a little complex uh, the other approach is to just say no we don't support 
uh, a swap AA, which would be a breaking change, but most people on the standards committee um, uh, agree that any time in the wild they've actually seen a self-swap, it's been a bug anyways. So. So this sounds like, if I, if I recall correctly, at one point you told me, Sean, that uh, you don't identify as a C++ committee uh, standards member. You, you identify as someone who sometimes drives by the committee and lobs a Molotov cocktail into it just to cause, <laughs> to cause discussion. Uh, do you, are, you, are you promoting yourself now to be a committee member or, or are you, do you still identify with the latter? I, I can <laughs> confirm this is a Molotov cocktail. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think my actual quote is a hand grenade, but Molotov cocktail works too. Oh, I guess. Hand grenade, okay. Yeah, so lobbing hand grenades, you know, in into the committee. Um, uh, uh, yeah. Uh, uh, I think this is is a little of both. Um, uh, you know, going through. Finding the the kind of you know weakening of the semantics in the standard library has kind of reminded me of of, of why I get so frustrated working uh, with the standards committee. Um, uh, 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 this has been my you know the the, the post conditions of move since you know ASL. If you go back, it had. Uh, uh, a move library, and I think it was one of the first, it was not the first move library, but I think it was the first move library that actually worked. Um, uh, uh, there was a library that um, uh, uh, Andre Alexandrescu wrote that was, uh, I think it was called called Loki or Loki. Um, uh, uh, that introduced the notion of move. It was a fairly complex library, and in most cases, it didn't actually work, to, meaning that it would would fail to generate uh, a move. And then uh, Howard Hinnant and Dave Abrahams wrote another uh, move library that they put out that uh, kind of worked, but failed in a in a bunch of cases. And that was boost move. That was boost move and um asl for those that don't know i believe is the adobe standard library correct adobe, adobe source, source libraries lab. or source yeah. library yeah and uh they're they're still kicking around still available on uh if you go to uh, uh github.com slash uh st lab is uh is, is where they are and we've got a website stlab.cc which i think is a nice domain name for uh the libraries and the idea of all these of all libraries of this class was before c plus plus 11 when move was a language feature there were a bunch of attempts to to emulate move in you know a library uh, you know partially with macros partially with other things to to varying degrees of success <laughs> to varying degrees um, of success yeah and so 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 asl uh uh, 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 implemented move which relied on, on on RVO which is return value optimization and and it turns out at that time I validated a whole bunch of compilers um, every compiler if you put it in optimization mode uh, 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 implemented uh, uh, named return value optimization which was allowed by the standard at the time, but not required. I don't think it's actually required till 17, C++ 17. 
Um, uh, so even going way back to you know C plus plus O three, everybody implemented it for release builds, and so. Uh, uh, in ASL, we had a move library that looks very much like the move library that was that, that standardized, and that you know it was it was stlab colon colon move was the way way you invoked a move, and and that got you know a lot of commercial use and actually worked very well to good effect. In fact, the last standards committee meeting I actually attended, um, uh, uh, the reason why I attended was to to pitch a library solution instead of all the complexity that came in with with our value references and and with you know and I demonstrated that if we just required uh, uh, NRVO which we do now and all the compilers already implemented it that we could get you know more than 90% the benefit of of move semantics, there are some cases that you that you can't do that way, um, uh, but the vast majority of cases you can. Um, so we could get get the the the, the we could handle the vast majority of the cases uh, without introducing a new language construct of R value references, which are kind of weird, and all the complexity that that came out of that. And, and it was interesting because the, the counter argument was largely that without our value references, we didn't get uh, forwarding references. And, and at that time, our value references and forwarding references were the same thing. And later, forwarding references <laughs> became something else with the same syntax. So had we known that at the time, you know, maybe we could have gone with a library, with a library solution for for moving and had a separate construct for forwarding. Would we still have needed forwarding references in a world where we didn't have our value references? Uh, 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 if you want kind of the, 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 the perfect forwarding, yeah, you do, because you need oh, to be yeah. able to know, know, you know, is this thing a move or a copy and carry that down through through your levels, so. So, so Do you remember what uh, committee meeting that was at? The last one you went to? I don't remember the dates. It was in Bellevue, Washington, um, uh, and basically, in it was interesting because in I gave a presentation and I gave a demonstration of the ASL Move library, and I, I you know I hadn't written a paper on it. I just you know come in at the request of a committee member to kind of show it, and and there was a you know, it was a, a small group that was actually worried about our values, and we had a straw vote, and the straw vote, vote there was to, yes, we should abandon our value references and go with a library solution. And then largely because of political reasons in the, um, in the larger meeting, um, uh, that got overturned. And so, so which for me was an interesting lesson, which is you know convincing the people who matter isn't necessarily enough, right? Right? You know, convincing the people who are actually working with the stuff, and and it wasn't a hundred percent, you know, you know, even in the small room, but it was it was was in favor, and. Um, uh, yeah, that would have so been that, 2008, by the way, 2008. 2008, yeah. So that, um, uh, so we kind of lost in the in the, the in the in the larger committee, and that's when when our value references got got voted. I think the terminology is voted out of the standard, which has the reverse meaning that 
of what you would actually think, which means it was in the standard. Um, uh, so, uh, 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 and then the other thing that came about was uh, uh, allocators at the at the time, which broke the notion of a regular type for pair. And that was something that I was, you know, this is why, you know, the implementation of stood pair is so incredibly long and complex and that pair supports allocators. And and it's, it's, it's in, in my opinion, ridiculous. Um, <laughs> I, I, I think I think you're not wrong. It, it is it is quite an unintuitive that pair needs to support allocators, and the the number of times in the committee that a good feature has been unnecessary has been hung up on. Oh, do we need to add allocator support for this thing, and the pains associated with that? Um, yes. Yeah. So the the stood pair gaining allocator support, which broke regularity of stood pair. Uh, 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 that even more than, you know, the, the R value references, I thought, you know, Howard's proposal was sound. I just thought it was too much complexity for the language, but breaking regularity of pair was the, uh, uh, you know, for me was kind of the last straw. And at that point I walked out of the meeting and that's the last standards committee meeting I've attended. So. I, I, um, so, so John Lakos, who's, uh, another member of the committee, uh, very well known for his talks about an advocacy for allocators. Um, he has in recent years started, started promoting the idea that, that allocators should be something that are supported at the language level. Um, and I actually think that he's probably right about this because the amount of complexity that, um, has been added to the library to support allocators as a library facility um, is is really great. That's come with a huge amount of cost, and um, for types that avoid that cost, you know, for for things that we say don't support allocators, um, that then that that takes control away from users. And I, I I do wonder if maybe we would have been better off if we had thought up some language based solution for. Um, customizing allocation. Yeah, the you know the 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 fundamental problem with allocators is is they invert the the whole part relationship, right? Um, uh, 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 basically, a uh, you know an an object that gets allocated is part of the allocator, and and so you can't put the allocator into the part. That's 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 an an inversion of, of that relationship, and uh, uh, you know that that doing the inversion is it creates what I call you know an incidental data structure. It, it means now now really what I've got is an allocator that contains objects, but I've expressed it the other way around. I've got a, a bunch of objects pointing to an allocator that actually contains them. Um, uh, uh, you know, so, so, so my opinion has always been that we don't actually need allocators. What we need are better data structures that, that manage their parts, you know, that manage the allocation of their parts. Um, uh, 
so so flip that 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 equation around and that's you know harder to do than just say well we can take a vector and we can slap an allocator into it and now now we have a, a different behavior for a vector it means you actually have to have to think through um, uh, uh, you know a class that makes sense of 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 uh, of uh, uh, structures that require custom allocation. Um, uh, uh, you know, it, so it means you end up with more types, and there's not quite the same uniformity, but you get rid of of these these issues. Is there a library out in the wild that uh, implements this kind of idea? I you know, I don't I've think seen... there's a, a library out in the wild, but if you look at, um, uh, 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 you know, some of the adapters, which are, you know, if you just, just look at, you know, adapting a vector to be a priority queue by using a heap structure in there, um, uh, that's really just using the vector as if it were an allocator uh, for a, a heap structure object, right? And so, so you know, one could imagine having something like you know a pooled list if you wanted to say, oh, I've got a a, a list uh, uh, where the the you know the the, the uh, uh, for the allocations for the nodes, since I know they're all fixed sized, I can do that more efficiently within some pool, and so I can create create a structure for that. Um, uh, so no, you know, I don't know of a library that's 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 taken that approach. Although, you know, I will say, you know, this is the approach that you know, uh, like the Photoshop team takes. We don't say, oh, well, we've got within our tiling system, uh, uh, which is this you know quad tree data structure. Uh, uh, we don't say say and that's connected to this allocator the allocator for the quad tree structure is part of the quad tree structure all right well we're we're like 15 minutes past our scheduled time and i have a stack of questions but we'll have to so sean uh, at accu uh, said he'd be happy to be a regular recurring guest which is definitely something that uh, we're going to make happen um we'll have to defer the whole Mac OS X uh, that um, ends in the Greg Gilly uh, story for a whole episode. Because um, I wanted to ask about that, but I knew like that. Yeah, that... we're, we're going to have to do a whole whole episode of Sean's stories about about Apple and Mac OS. Yeah, well, this, this good. we're, we're going to have to part. I don't know how we're going to partition this up. We said mismatch earlier. Now we're saying partition. Uh, but also the, all the stories from um, when you worked with Alex Stepanov. And then also, too, we haven't even talked about your time before uh, before Adobe. And also, too, I was. Oh, so maybe I'll ask I'll ask this quick follow up because it, it was, you know, we, we talked a lot about Stepanov uh, today. Um, and you mentioned sort of he got into C and C++ while at, uh, at Bell Labs. Um, and we had sort of chatted about this at ACCU, is that I recently discovered from watching one of the uh, A9 lectures uh, that were recorded when Stepanov worked at um, Amazon, uh, that he actually spent a decade um, teaching Scheme. Uh, and that, like, 
I, I like to think I know quite a bit about Stepanov and that I've, you know, I've spent a lot of time on Stepanovpapers.com, but I had no idea that uh, he, he, he sort of made the joke that he, he lost a decade to scheme. Um, <laughs> and so I'm not sure if you want to comment because you knew Stepanov a lot better um, about... Yeah. Uh, you know, I don't know uh, uh, how much to add to that. Uh, yeah, he he was, uh, uh, you know, he had certainly taught courses in scheme and, and uh, you know, he'd been an associate professor, I forget, at, I think at RPI, if I might get that wrong. Um, uh, uh uh, so yeah, so he was an avid scheme user, and all the time I worked with him, he would frequently prototype an algorithm first in scheme, and then write it in in C++. So he was definitely uh, 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 very comfortable in scheme. Put it that way. Yep. So we all got to go learn uh, Lisp or your favorite language of choice. Uh, yeah, on that, you know, one thing I think. I agree with you, Connor, uh, about is that, you know, learning other languages uh, uh, has a huge amount of value. I think one of the things that set off my career was I went to school at Seattle University and there were 12 of us in our graduating class for computer science. It was their first graduating class in computer science at the university. And we had a couple of young professors who taught the course, and they decided that that uh, or who taught the program, the 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 professors there decided that they would teach every course in a different language, and not teach the language. So you would walk in, and you know, first day of of a class, and they would say, uh, uh, you know, this class we're going to to be looking at um, uh, uh, databases, so you're going to be programming in Ingress, so go learn Ingress, and uh, uh, we're not teaching it. And in in you know this class, we're going to be doing uh, uh, image processing, and we're going to do all of that in Lisp, so go learn Lisp. And and so. So, you know, we could talk about the pros and cons. I think there were only a couple of us for which this, this plan actually worked. I'm not saying it was a good teaching strategy. <laughs> um, uh, but for me, it was one that did. And it just gave a huge exposure and appreciation to a bunch of different languages very early in my career. And... Uh, this is this is crazy that you're saying this because literally just last night I was watching a... Uh, a talk from Channel 9 with Herb Sutter and Eric Meyer. Uh, most of our listeners probably know Herb Sutter is the chair of the ISO C++ committee. Eric Meyer uh, worked on C Sharp, and he's a big um, functional programming advocate. And they had an hour-long discussion. At, and at the end of it, Herb Sutter says probably one of the most important things for his career um, and the best university uh, course that he took, and he went to Waterloo in Canada, was a course on comparative languages, where every week they looked at a different language, and they looked at Lisps and Prolog and etc. Anyway, so just the fact that I'm, I literally listened to that last night, and now you're saying basically the exact same thing with a different flavor um, is crazy. Yep. 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 Yeah. I think there's huge value in that. Um, you know, language affects how you think, and so, so... You know, learning other languages uh, uh, allows you to think about problems from from different perspectives. 
So I think what Sean, and this is where we'll end the episode, is uh, trying to say is that everybody needs to go learn APL. Um. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> Uh, I, Connor, Connor must have some deal with the people that sell those funky APL keyboards. He must get some cut of it or something. Yeah, you guys got to put a link at the at the in your show notes for for where to get your APL keyboard and and uh, just. So I don't Connor even have an APL keyboard. I'm gonna I'm gonna send you one, buddy. I'm gonna send you one. Yeah. All right. It's funny. I can type a bunch of the APL characters just because I used to my my. Uh, uh, development environment was something called MPW, which was Apple's programmers workshop, which was at the time AT&T owned Unix and was suing everybody who did a Unix knockoff. But MPW was kind of a Unix knockoff. But to not uh, 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 step on AT&T's toes, um, uh, they used a different syntax for everything. And so the, the like the wildcard character, if you were doing a search instead of just being an asterisk, was you know a, a squiggly equal sign. Um, uh, <laughs> uh, so so yeah, they were all all you know non ASCII unusual characters, and and I still to this day, uh, you know, when I'm typing in bash, will type those just by habit and have to go oh no wait that's i need a need an asterisk not a squiggly equal sign there <laughs> this makes me think what well, now i said we'd end the episode but this now made me thought of you taught me something uh sean at accu which is uh you said you, you remarked while listening to an earlier episode is that i didn't i, I said that I, I don't actually know why they chose iota um, to represent sort of like a, a sequence, an arithmetic sequence that increases by one. And you said you actually know. Do you want to educate our listeners why they chose IOTA? Sure. If, if, uh, so, so a lot of the, the characters in, in APL were chosen because of how they look visually. And an IOTA looks like a small one, and it's kind of a backwards J. So it's like a small one, and then it kind of hooks out to the right. And so if you say, you know, iota 5, that kind of looks like 1 dot 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 5. So, and, and that's what, what iota 5 would do, is it would generate the sequence from 1 to 5. You know, APL was 1-based instead of 0-based. You know, out of that now we get, you know, stood iota, which is not a glyph it's spelled out as iota and it's zero based by default so but, um... <laughs> there's only one algorithm in the thrust algorithm library that uh renamed a c plus plus standard algorithm and bryce do you want to what iota yeah you mean, mean stood sequence but but there's a difference thrust sequence predated stood iota that's not I true. Know. We've had this discussion before because it was in the SGI docs, and so a lot oh, of us okay. did actually think. Right. It's not even in the right. SGI, it's in the original HP STL. There's a lot of stuff in the original HP STL that didn't make it into the standard, but yeah, IOTA is, is that is. is that on stepanoffpapers.com? I believe, I yeah, yeah, yeah. The HP STL oh. is up there. Maybe we'll have to do an episode where Bryce and I dig through and see all the algorithms that um, Alex had to, to, to cut off. Yeah, yeah, they went through, uh, Alex and Bjarno went through uh, 
an editorial process where Bjarne wanted to strip everything that wasn't necessary. So kind of, uh, 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 it's interesting, you know, what's left is you have a couple of the higher level functions like, uh, 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 you know, stable sort and sort, and almost everything in the rest of the libraries is just to build stable sort and sort. Yep. They're all puzzle pieces. I'll link yep. your talk, Generic Programming, from 2018 at Pacific C++, which is one of my absolute favorite talks of yours, because uh, I think you talk about that in that talk. Um, I believe I believe I do, yeah. All right. With that, I feel like we should, we should wrap it up. Thank you so much, Sean. Hey, thank you, guys. Once again, thanks to Sean Parent for coming on. It was an absolute blast chatting with him. And one final announcement is that if you are listening to this before March 31st, there is a free half-day conference for APL beginners or the APL curious that are looking to learn a little bit more about the language. You can go to dialog.com, that's D-Y-A-L-O-G.com, or you can go to the show notes for a direct link to register. Hope you enjoyed, and have a great day.